Hello and welcome to the Amateur Austenite. My name is Frances Duncan. I am an author and the founder of the Jane Austen Society of New Zealand. My special guest today is my sister Paula. Hi. She's saying hi again because she's trying to be different again. Yes. Today we are discussing chapter 43, which is chapter 1 of volume 3, the last volume of this novel. And in chapter 43, Elizabeth and the gardeners visit Pemberley and they run into Darcy. Scandal. We don't have to wait long going from the last chapter where they announce they're going to Pemberley and then straight away in this chapter they're at Pemberley. The fact that they run into Darcy there is something that perhaps today we wouldn't understand because, well, first of all, today you don't really go and look at somebody's house, do you? No. And secondly, if you're going to go and look at someone's house, it shouldn't have been someone that you know, really. And when... Definitely not when they were there. (laughs) Awkward. But this is a thing that people used to do when they went on holiday. They would go and look at rich people's houses. To see how the other half lived. And Elizabeth has talked about how she was sick of already seeing fine houses, richly furnished or something like that. Yeah, in the last chapter. She had no pleasure in fine carpets or satin curtains. She must... Oh, and she was tired of great houses after going over so many. Yeah, so it wasn't, you know, weird that they were doing it. It was just badly timed, unfortunately. Well, there's this bit. She has like a sigh of relief where uh, Mrs. Reynolds says, the, the housekeeper says, oh no, but he's coming home tomorrow. Yes, and she already kind of knew that, but she was just wanting to make sure. That he wasn't going to turn up. Yeah, but it was sort of, it should have been perfect timing to avoid him. But then he decides to come home a day early. Pemberley itself is beautiful. Um, Elizabeth is thinking to be mistress of Pemberley might be something. Uh, its banks were neither formal nor falsely adorned, and then a similar sort of experience on the inside she admires his taste it was neither gaudy nor uselessly fine with less splendor more real elegance than the furnishings of rosings which kind of tells you a lot about the owner of both of both and rosings yeah it's interesting there's a lot of description of the house and of the grounds which is why people think that they can figure out which house it is which is based on Oh, I did not know that. I think it's Chatsworth, I think it's based on. Oh, okay. There's an awkward bit when they find the picture of Wickham and then Elizabeth colours when Mrs Reynolds asks if she knows Mr Darcy and she says a little. And it always makes me think of when she's at Rosings and she's asked if she plays and she says something like a little and very ill. And I always think of that when she answers Mrs. Reynolds that she should say a little and very ill. That's how well she knows Mr. Darcy. But then there's obviously the hugely awkward bit when Mr. Darcy turns up. And it just happens so suddenly. There's no lead up to it. Just suddenly he's there. And it seems like she is there to run into him on purpose. Like it could easily be construed that way. I was saying to Francis when I was reading it before that I think perhaps Andrew Davies did add to to the novel in this one bit. I do, because of the shirt scene. Yes, I did like him coming out of the water um, in his wet shirt. 
yes, the important things about the adaptation. It's very loyal to the novel. That adaptation. It is, isn't it? Like you can read the novel and you recognise lots of the words from having watched the movie. Yeah, and the characters seem very loyal to um, what Jane Austen wrote as well. Pride and Prejudice both appear in this chapter, which is always exciting when that happens. Um, they're thinking about Mrs. Reynolds' pride in the family, and sorry, and then it says Mr. Gardner highly amused by the kind of family prejudice. So it's referring to Mrs. Reynolds having both pride and prejudice about the family, and then it occurs later as well, somewhere. Because Mrs. Reynolds does lay it on thick about how much she likes Mr. Darcy. Yes, and then again they refer to Mr. Darcy's pride later on. Uh, when Elizabeth is introducing him to her aunt and uncle, now seeking out the acquaintance of some of the very people against whom his pride had revolted in his offer to herself. Yes, and of course he doesn't live up to what she thinks he's going to live up to. Not at all. Um, and I think they've both changed a lot before they come to this point and they run into each other. They've both changed based on each other's feedback. Do you think, though, that he's changed that much or the fact that she saw him when he was out of his own sphere changed the way that he acted and also her perception of him? Yeah, because perhaps he hasn't changed so much. It's just that now she's seeing him in a different light. She's realising she's wrong as we're reading this chapter. That he was not a good-tempered man had been her firmest opinion. And everything that Mrs Reynolds is saying is making her realise that maybe she was wrong. Because Mrs Reynolds has no reason to be gushing about him the way that she is. No, that's right. I mean, well, he is her employer, but to these strangers she doesn't really need to be gushing like this, does she? No, no. And it almost feels as if Elizabeth is falling in love with the house first and then him by extension well when she sees him in the picture in elizabeth's mind a more gentle sensation towards the original than she'd ever felt in the height of their acquaintance and then it goes on to a sentiment of gratitude which is where i think she starts to fall for him it's that gratitude that keeps being repeated throughout the novel that's where she starts to fall for him and it's before he even appears it's more of a fantasy of him that has grown up in her mind Yes, and then he actually lives up to it. Yeah, which is kind of wonderful. Hmm, it's lovely. Because yeah. he's so kind to her aunt and uncle, which she was not expecting at all. No, no. Um, one of the great things about him is that this also shows that he's very powerful. He's got all this money and stuff, but he still chooses Lizzie despite all of this. Yes, and also the housekeeper talks about how kind he and his father are to those who they have power over um and it's interesting to hear about him talked about in his personal worth because he's it's sort of a personal versus financial worth and he's always talked about previously in relation to his money and his pride yes so he's talked about in a different way from here you see him more as a fully well-rounded person it's interesting that he and wickham were brought up in the same household um, yet they've both gone in different ways and they both had the role model of the Mr. Darcy Senior, yet they've both taken different lessons from him. It's the same in any family. Like, we're sisters and we're very different. Yeah, it's and very we've true. had same or similar upbringings. 
And Wickham does rear his ugly head, of course, because there's the picture of him that's that brings him back to everybody's mind. And then at the end of the chapter, Elizabeth feels called upon to actually tell the gardeners something about what she'd learnt about Wiccan. Hooray! <laughs> and you can see the contrast between Darcy and Wickham that Darcy is actually a good man, but he is believable because he has faults, he has flaws, unlike Wickham, who just seemed the paragon of virtue. Yeah, you get a really good contrast there between the two of them. As they're walking back from the house, so Darcy turns up, um, Elizabeth is proud that she has some relations for whom she had no need to blush. Um, and then as they're walking back to the house, Mrs. Gardner gets tired and Elizabeth ends up on Mr. Darcy's arm, which I wonder whether it's real or scheming because at the end of the chapter, when they get back to Lampton, Mrs. Gardner is no longer fatigued. Fatigued as she had been by the morning's walk, they had no sooner dined than she set off again in quest of her former acquaintance. Yes, and the speed at which she and Mr. Gardner walk seems to indicate that she was just putting it on to give Darcy and Elizabeth some time together. She's very sharp. And Mrs. Gardner, I think, isn't much older than Elizabeth and Jane because her children are only about seven, eight years old. Yeah, so she's maybe ten years older than them at the most. Yeah, and it says that they're very close friends, so it makes sense that she'd want to help Elizabeth out. But then... At the end of the walk, when they get back to Pemberley, when Mr. and Mrs. Gardner finally catch up to them, Mr. Darcy invites them inside for refreshments, and they decline, and I wonder why. Maybe they feel that that's sort of a bit overstepping, mm. because they do recognise that he is above them. Even though they're thinking about their niece marrying him. Well, that's different though, isn't it? To them being allowed into the house. Because they're in trade. Yes. I hadn't thought about it that way. I didn't make any notes today. I just was busy thinking about that scene from Andrew Davies' adaptation of the novel. It's a good chapter. I like. It's really long. It's 13 pages in my novel, and so it'll be longer in yours. Yeah, it is really long, but it's got some beautiful descriptions of the house and the, the gardens, which are really different to the rest of the novel, because a lot of it is just based on people and it's talking about you know what people are doing and it's lots of dialogue whereas this is, is slightly different and it's done on purpose obviously so that we get this idea that Pemberley is this grand grand house and this understanding that he has uh, stooped quite low to propose to Lizzie mm, yeah it's interesting what you're saying about little dialogue because I noticed that when I read Actually, even when I write, I skip to the dialogue bits, which is why my writing is so sparse, because I skip the other stuff when I'm reading, and I fill it all in myself, in my brain. So reading this chapter felt really long, because there wasn't mm. the dialogue. Like, it was mostly description. Yeah, and that's quite different to the rest of the novel. Yeah. But it was necessary to help show the kind of person that uh, Darcy is. Well, not the kind of person, but the kind of society that he came from in comparison to Elizabeth. And I do think that what Jane Austen was trying to do was trying to tell you more about Darcy by the state of his house. And his um, fondness for his sister and the way that he interacts with his servants. 
yeah it's a very clever way of doing it rather than using Darcy to show us himself she's not even got him there when we learn so much about him yeah and I like that Elizabeth starts to question herself and change her thoughts about him before he even turns up yeah it's really clever yeah well done Jane (laughs) (laughs) okay and that is our summary of chapter 43 of Pride and Prejudice by Jane Austen my name is Frances Duncan. You can t- find me at francisduncanwrites.com and on Twitter at Francis underscore Duncan. Thank you for listening and we wish you happy reading. Just popping back in to let you guys know that we have merch now. I haven't actually got merch with my face on it. That seems a little weird to me, but if you really want it, let me know and I'll do that. There's merch of the Jane Austen Society of Aotearoa New Zealand's logo, uh, some Jane Austen merch, and some Pride and Prejudice heavily Pride-focused merch too. It's on Redbubble, and the link is in the notes. Happy buying!